Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Passionate, patriotic, a little bit pugilistic, and always professional. Hear what Roy Green has to say on the Chorus Radio Network. We thank uh, Seth Wines from uh, the University of British Columbia who joined us on the study that he and a co-author conducted on how to combat climate change. And one of the more controversial aspects of it is uh, have one less child, but that wasn't the focus of their study, as you heard him say. It's also about eating less meat, driving, um, maybe not driving a car, taking one less transatlantic flight per year, and generally taking care of the planet. Now, I, as you know, I'm a climate change skeptic, but that doesn't mean I don't think our planet needs taken care of, and I think sometimes we do a, an absolutely lousy job of it. All you have to do is look around at uh, all the cigarette butts that are on the streets, and that'll give you an idea of how careful some people are. Now, there's an organization called Population Matters. It's a new name for the organization, British organization, which has for years lobbied globally that families should have fewer children so the rest of us can enjoy better living standards in a heavy or healthy environment. Population Matters, I'll just read from their website, is a membership charity that addresses population size and environmental sustainability. We believe population growth contributes to the environmental degradation, resource depletion, and other problems. We conduct research, inform the public, and advocate improved family planning and sex education, women's empowerment, smaller families, and moderate consumption. With us is Robin Maynard. He joins us from the UK. He's the director of Population Matters. Mr. Maynard, thank you for the time. Not at all. Thank you, Roy, for asking me on. Ah, it's great to have you with us. Uh, the last guest, their study was just somewhat about having fewer children. Your um, raison d'etre is really to advise people to have fewer children in order to create a more sustainable future for the planet. So, Fundamentally, what's the most? What's your most fundamental message, and, and and how can people most rationally approach what you're suggesting? Well, that thank you for asking that. I mean, to be honest with you, it's just as we're having now, it's having a conversation about population because it's it's been a bit of a subject which nobody's really wanted to talk about for the past couple of decades, and particularly my sort of colleagues over here in the UK who work on green issues and environmental issues, they keep saying, Robin, it's just about consumption. People have got to consume less. Don't talk about population. And yes, we do have to think about how much we consume for sure. But actually, we're not consuming less. We're just consuming more and more. Even though the technology makes things lighter and smaller and better, we want more of the stuff. So unless we start thinking about the numbers of us as consumers as well, I don't think we've got much chance of really taking the pressure off the planet. And you're dead right, Roy, in in terms of saying, you know, I hear what you say about climate skepticism, but I think you said, you know, you're aware of other issues which are affecting our planet. Definitely. We share it with, you know, we're really we're really causing a lot of problem for all the other wild animals on on Earth, let alone future human beings. There's uh, there's far fewer wild animals out there than there used to be. 10,000 years ago, I'll give you this fact quickly before you, you, you put me on the spot again, 99% of all land mammals were wild. Only 
1% were human. Today, it's the reverse. 99% of everything on Earth with a backbone on land are humans, our cattle, pigs, and poultry, and our pets. Less than 1.5% is wild. So we're really having impact on our natural world, and that will help hurt us in the end as well. One of the things that we do is we don't use these technological items to the end of their natural life. We, for example, buy a smartphone and yeah. use it for a year or until the next generation of smartphones arrives, yeah. and then suddenly yeah. the one that was perfect yesterday is yeah. obsolete tomorrow. Too right. And there's, um, there's a really interesting study um, done in the States recently by uh, it's MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and they were trying to work out that same thing. How come everything is getting so much more efficient? I mean, you know, I'm nearly 60, and when I started out using mobile phones, they're about the size of a brick, you know, and they weighed a ton, and now they're like a biscuit, you know, they're tiny. Mm-hmm. And yet, as you say, people want more of them. We're not using less stuff, we're using more. And that's just, I think, human nature, but we have to try and reduce our impact on the planet, and particularly things like plastic getting in the oceans. But we also have to think about how many of us are on the planet and and the impact we're having. And that's not about talking about control or doing something mad like a sort of one-child policy in China, forcing women not to have children. It's just starting the conversation and saying, rather than having three kids, why not have two? Because that one less child will have such a disproportionately positive impact on taking the pressure off the planet. And that'll be better for your kids and their kids in the future as well. When so, you when you make that argument, yeah, how openly and willingly is it received, and how often do you run into what? Yeah, <laughs> quite quite, <laughs> quite often. Yeah, that's quite true. And uh, I think there's something. It's it's a funny one. It's sort of like we can talk about everything else on Earth but we find it very hard to talk about ourselves as a species. You know, we can count all the elephants that are left and the fish in the sea and acres of, of uh, tropical forest or the beautiful forests you have in Canada. But when it comes to talking about human numbers, people start putting a zip across their mouth and stuffing cotton wool in their ears and, and moving away from you. You know, they, there's something about it psychologically which people find very difficult. And that's one of the things we have to try and overcome. So it's absolutely brilliant to be on a program like yours and just having a sensible, rational conversation. Because I can promise you, I've talked to friends of mine and colleagues who've been in the, in the environment movement who get quite cross when you start talking about populism. They say, oh, you're being anti-human or you're being racist. I, say, I promise you, I'm not. I'm just talking about the fact, you know, we've got 7.6 billion people on the planet at the moment. We're using up more resources than the Earth can provide for us. And the projections by the the most conservative scientists are that we're going to hit 11 billion by the middle of this century, maybe even 16 billion. Do you think on a finite planet, and the only one that I can see in the sky which has got any life in it out in the universe, we can really do that? Or would it be better if we just started thinking about how we can not control but manage our population yeah. for the benefit of future generations? Well, we're not talking about Soylent Green, are we? No. <laughs> Great film, long time ago. That shows your age. Long time, and it does, doesn't it? I remember going to see that. And when you were, for those who haven't seen it, those who are too young to know what Soylent Green is. Charlton Heston was it? Yeah, yeah. It was a film where once you reached thirty, you were killed off. Well, I'm 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 well over the hill. (laughs) And then, no, I promise you. And and the great. Should we should we tell everyone? Should we tell everyone, Robin, what uh, what what happened with the the remains, or should we leave that alone? I, I, 
it's up to you, Roy. It's your program. Let's leave it alone. It's a biscuit you might live, leave in the, yeah, the larder. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, look it up. That'll be good yeah. enough. But yeah. do you find that people are receptive, generally, or not? Well, we just, funny enough, it's really interesting to ask, because we just did a big event up in, in London. Some of, of your listeners may have heard of the Natural History Museum. It's, um, it's a wonderful museum, and you'll have the equivalent in, in Canada, but it's one of those sort of early Victorian museums. It's a beautiful um, exhibit. Sadly, most of them dead. Well, all of them dead. Um, they've just moved a skeleton of, of a blue whale from one of their outer halls to the main hall, and it's absolutely amazing. But they're not really talking about the impacts of humanity on all the other species on Earth. So we created this little figure, a new human being called Homo magnopaditis, and, and that's my schoolboy Latin for Bigfoot. And he's a metal figure made out of thousands of little blanks of human beings, and he's life-size, but his feet are bigger than normal. And on his feet, he's standing on the earth, and he's squashing and squeezing it, and he's got lots of animals that he's trodden on. He's thinking, what have we done here? I didn't realize I was doing this. And we, we put this outside the museum as people queuing up to see the great whale scale, skeleton. And so many people came up and said, this is interesting. What, th what's this about? And it really engaged the conversation. It wasn't negative. It was about engaging people to think about the future and think about their kids' future. So I think that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to reach out to people, you know, not be like, some sort of figure outside the city walls shouting through a megaphone saying, oh, it's all doom and gloom. There is, there is real hope. There is real optimism. Um, but it, re it, it requires us to do something. So I'll give you an example. So Bangladesh, 30 years ago, their fertility rate for their average per woman was seven children. Over 30 years, they've got that down to 2.2 uh, per woman on average. And more girls are going to school, they're going to university, they're getting educated, they, their, their economy is improving because they've got more people in the workforce with those high, that higher education. But it took 30 years of really positive work, not forced contraception or forced anything, but actually positive engagement. So it shows you can do it, but it shows you have to put quite a big effort into it. So we haven't got an enormous amount of time ahead of us if you look at some of those future projections, but we probably just about got enough time. So if we can start the conversation like you and I are having, we have a chance. Well, it's a good conversation. Now, I, we have about 90 seconds, and I, I just want to go back to something that I read in the opening paragraph about Population Matters, and everybody can go and check it out, populationmatters.org, uh, where you write, we conduct research, inform the public, and advocate improved family planning and sex education, and then women's empowerment. When I see women's empowerment, am I understanding correctly, if I were to suggest that that to me suggests that it's men who want the larger families and maybe not so much women. Am I reading that correctly or incorrectly? That, that, that's, that can be the case. And certainly in some of the developing countries, they're still quite patriarchal societies. And so there are about 200 million women plus around the world who don't have access to the family planning they want to, to have, make choices about their own family size. So that, that is very true. If you can enable uh, women to um, gain access to family planning, to health care, to education, then they can start making individual and shared fair choices about the size of their family. And there's, there's some pretty grim statistics of about, you know, there's a thousand women who die every day avoidably in childbirth, and 400 of those women you know, didn't want the pregnancy that killed them. So there's some really humane, positive things we can do, which is 
And it is dealing with cultural barriers as well as simple access to um, family planning methods and, and education. So there are some challenges. But we have challenges in the UK too. We have a very high teenage pregnancy rate and we try and do work with, with at-risk girls in this country as well. So it's not just about pointing the finger okay. at poor developing countries. The rich countries really need to do stuff too. Robin, thank you so much for the time. I will talk again. Many thanks, Roy. Many thanks. Bye-bye. Populationmatters.org is the website. Populationmatters.org. My number is 1-800-263-2428. All right. So sensible, you can call it climate change if you want, are just sensible policies so, so that we, we have an appropriate stewardship of what's around us and we take care of what's around us. You don't, I mean, you can challenge the climate change argument, but you still have a responsibility to look around you and make sure that the your space around you is is looked after. So sensible, yeah, let's call it climate assists. What are they? Do we need better family planning and sex education? Fewer children, 800-263-2428. You know what you want to say about this, and we'll come back and we'll take your calls and we'll find out on the Green Show on the Corliss Radio Network.